Chart Chat is a member of the Tiege.fm network from WTJU Radio. Find out more at Tiege.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Hello, everybody. It's Monday, July 22nd, 2019. I'm Tanner Green. And I'm Caitlin Flay. And you're listening to Chart Chat, your weekly guide to the past week of pop singles hitting the US and UK charts. Like Rob Thomas once said, it's a hot one. Caitlin, it's almost 100 degrees. <laughs> oh my God. I told you I had a bad joke and I delivered. I'm back from Utah, back from Arizona. Had a wonderful time with family. Got to stay in some giant cabin in Pine Valley, Utah, I think it was called, kind of outside St. George, Southern Utah. Got to catch up with some extended family hadn't seen in a while. And then on the trip back, got to spend the night at Hotel O'Hare, a.k.a. the floor of the O'Hare airport at Gate G11. (laughs) It was great. It was awesome. And my next flight wasn't until 3 p.m. But anyway, how are you? I'm okay. I mean, I definitely haven't had that much of an exciting couple of weeks. There was adventure. Yeah, that's for sure. But by now, I'm pretty sure some listeners are like, why are you hiding who you said was going to be here next week. We like to tease. (laughs) Oh, I'm introducing. Oh my goodness. Well, we're honored. We have Professor Jack Hamilton here. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) What's up? (laughs) Writes about music sports. He's the pop culture critic for Slate. Hosted Slate's podcast series, Pop Race in the 60s, back in 2016. Written for The Atlantic, The New Yorker, NPR, ESPN. Received his PhD in American Studies from Harvard before accepting a post to teach media studies and American studies at the University of Virginia. Caitlin, I believe you took a class of his. Certainly two, did. Two years ago? Yes. It was rad. Excellent. And then I did not take that class, but for Professor Carl Hagstrom Miller's exam, I did read his excellent book, Just Around Midnight, Rock and Roll and the Racial Imagination. Quick and dirty on that's basically on the shift between rock and roll and rock and the racial connotations therein. Dr. Jack Hamilton, once again, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. We are thrilled. (laughs) We're going to beat this heat and we're going to start with the U.S. entries for the week. We're going to start at number 98 with a track I almost talked about because it has a really cool drum part, but I decided not to. Chris Lane, I don't know about you. My latest effort to speak Spanish properly. No me conoce? Conoce? You say it with confidence, you know. Well, I didn't do that, (laughs) but that's by Jay Cortez, J Balvin and Bad Bunny and it debuts at number 95. At number 75, we have possibly the longest list of credits on a track to date for this podcast. We've got Dreamville featuring Boss, J.I.D., Guapdad 4000, Reese LaFlair, Jace, Mez, Smoke Perp, <laughs> Buddy, and Ski Mask the Slump God. All of them with the song Costa Rica. Number 60, we've got Ed Sheeran with Chris Stapleton and Bruno Mars and their song Blow. Back to Dreamville at number 44, this one featuring J. Cole, Loot, and DaBaby with their song Under the Sun. And much to Caitlin's delight. <laughs> At number three, Post Malone featuring, to my delight, Young Thug with their song Goodbyes. What you got, Caitlin? A couple more entries than you this week. So we start at number 99 with Joel Corey's Sorry. Post Malone, that's a song title, <laughs> by Sam Felt and Ronnie debuts at number 98. At 91, we have The Plug featuring D Block Europe and Offset. Very interesting collaboration with the song Rich. 
My One, that's Wiley featuring Tory Lanez, Cranium, and Dappy, another interesting collaboration at 82. I forgot about Dappy. Yeah, I know. He just kind of like threw that weird rapping guitar song at us and then disappeared. It's amazing. Uh, then we jump up to number 62 with Kenny Allstar featuring Dig Dat with the song Friday. When You Know What Love Is by Craig David debuts at number 59. Hetty One and Skepta debut last week at number 42 with Back to Basics. I don't know how I'm going to say this on the podcast. <laughs> DJ Block Europe song Home, Look It Up in the Playlist debuted at number 20. At number 11, we have Mist and Fredo just missing out at the top 10 with their song So High. And finally, much to my delight, as Tanner said, goodbyes, Post Malone, Young Thug, at number five. There will be a fight later, but I will let Tanner start. Because I like to start with the positives, as everybody knows. (laughs) So instead of starting with that, we're going to start with the number one album in the country, in the U.S. at least, Revenge of the Dreamers 3. It's the third album from the artist with a whole bunch of guests that are signed to J. Cole's label, Dreamville Records, which goes way back to 2007 when Cole made it with his manager, Ibrahim Hamad. Since then, the label has expanded into R&B with artists like Ari Lennox. Either of you listen to Shea Butter, baby? Mm-mm. I don't think so. Yeah, R&B singer, kind of low-key, kind of in the LMI sort of neck okay. of the woods. Uh, but that album came back in May. But otherwise, Dreamville's lineup is pretty much rapper-focused. And one of the kind of notable things about Costa Rica, which is going to be the track we're discussing, is only two of the nine artists here are actually signed to Dreamville. You got oh, Boss, wow. you got J.I.D. Mm-hmm. The other seven come from across the country, representing a whole bunch of different corners of hip-hop, including, weirdly enough, kind of the SoundCloud scene that you see in Smoke Perp or Podcast Fave, Ski Mask the Slump God. (laughs) And for the sake of time, it's kind of impossible to give every single artist an introduction, and it's sort of tricky to choose which verses to highlight. So here's what I'm thinking. We're going to start off with the verse, and we're going to start off with the chorus. The chorus is from Oakland rapper Guapdad4000, and the verse is up to our special guest. Oh. Professor Hamilton, is there a verse that stood out to you? Uh, yeah, my favorite verse on this uh, on this track is probably JID's verse. Uh, JID, it's only about fifteen seconds long, <laughs> but uh, yeah, JID is sort of one of my favorite um, sort of new newish rappers on the scene. His uh, album DiCaprio Two, which came out last year, was one of my favorite albums of that year. And he is, yeah, he's just a, he's a fantastic rapper. He's a he's got a real sort of vir- virtuosic command of sort of language, but he's got that rare gift of he's actually a really good performer and a really really sort of charismatic rapper. He doesn't he doesn't sound like someone who's just sort of reading notes reading raps out of a notebook the way that a lot of sort of very showy kind of rhyme smiths often often sound like. Um, yeah, he's really great, and that's that's probably my favorite that verse on this track. Yeah, and this has nothing to do with this track, but wasn't he also on a boogie track from, not not an A boogie, but just a regular boogie track from <laughs> earlier this year? I yeah, think. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah. He's, he, he gets around. He gets around. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get to that clip. Top of the morning to anybody who thought it was Betty by Jitty. I'm like a Jedi. Mind tricks live inside of your head. I devilish red eyes. Never been on a red eye. A Jedi be half again. Charlie said I'd be wildin' and trippin' when I'm on a lick. Score a penny or 20. I'm Dominic Wilkins and really. I flew to Costa Rica with the AP. At the airport, this girl asked me, hey. Are you slightly? Wow. Baby, had a bust down on the AP. Yeah. Baby, and no rich styles on you lately. Yeah. I got fans in Costa Rica. I got bands in Costa Rica. We heard a little Wayne comparison there as we were listening to the clip. We heard a little bit of joy, verve. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on the track overall? 
Um, yeah, you know, it's a, I mean, it, it's a cool track. Uh, I, I, I like this track. Um, it's kind of got a, like a lot of J. Cole's stuff. Uh, I mean, J. Cole, I believe, produced it. And, uh, you know, he's sort of, he's the kind of head honcho at Dreamville. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm honestly not a huge, not the biggest J. Cole fan. Um, but, you know, sort of his, his, his thing kind of is he, he's got a sort of throwback classicist vibe and this track. Uh, kind of partakes in a very, very long, illustrious hip-hop tradition of the posse track. Um, mm-hmm. It really goes back to the very beginnings of the genre, you know, a bunch of rappers sort of jumping jumping on a beat. And yeah, it's cool. I mean, like, the one thing that I think, like, sets this apart from some of the classic 80s and 90s posse tracks is is the, the repeating chorus. Um, a lot of sort of older hip-hop posse tracks don't have choruses. They just sort of jump from verse to verse. Yeah, and that's as as you mentioned, uh, supplied by Guap Dad, um, four thousand. Yeah, it's a it's a cool track. You know, it's got that. Um, yeah, again, a sort of throwback vibe in the in in the posse track aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it'll be interesting to see what it does after this. Like in, it, historically, I feel like there I can't think of many posse tracks that have like really effectively become kind of crossover pop hits um, in in the history of hip hop. There are, there are a few. I think all about the Benjamins back in the '90s was a pretty big hit on uh, pop radio. Although that was sort of benefited from the sort of post Biggie death bump, I think. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this track performs. My guess is that um, it's sort of getting getting boosted up because J. Cole is such a reliable seller, and you know, obviously the album is number one in the way things are right now. You know, there's just gonna like the the album being number one is gonna boost. Um, you know, some of the, the numbers on, on a lot of these tracks. So I'd be interested to see if it climbs much higher than it does, than, it, than it's at now. Um, and I think, as you mentioned, it's not actually even the highest charting track from this, from this record. Yeah. I'm curious. This is a slight diversion, Caitlin, I know, because you've got a verse that Go is the it. bee under your bonnet. But I was looking <laughs> a couple of days ago at the Consequence of Sound review of it. Mm-hmm. And the author, let me check her name again, Lucy Shanker, she kind of at the very end poses this idea that J. Cole with this album and with his work for Dreamville in general is kind of the anti-Drake. So if you have Drake showing up with features on a Black Boy JB or something like that, or bringing in Bounce on something like Nice For What, that J. Cole is perhaps doing the inverse, stepping out of the spotlight, but still providing the financial and sort of distribution support. Yeah, I could see that. I think that, I mean, I mean, I think that they're, they're, they're different artists. I mean, I think part of it is that like, there's something about like I don't know I I I enjoy Drake's music more than J Cole's partly because Same. I feel like J, Drake has a he's a very uh, I mean this is something that bothers some people about Drake but he's so sort of capacious in terms of like what he sort of brings into his musical world and he'll sort of draw really really eclectically from different influences you know some would say sort of you know appropriates <laughs> um you it's know the Madonna which is, problem. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but it, but I, I personally find it makes it makes for very interesting music whereas I sometimes feel like Jay Cole's sort of insistence on like kind of on this kind of classicist notion of 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 hip-hop and kind of like you know this kind of constant need to sort of pay homage to the sort of rappers that came before him and sounds that came before him and things like that. I mean, he's a really, really talented guy, but like, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be drawn more to, I mean, I, I think both he and and Drake have certainly played some roles in sort of boosting artists careers. Um, but yeah, I think that, that Cole is going for more maybe of a sort of 
Yeah, again, kind of old-fashioned, like, you know, the way that, yeah, that, like, Jay-Z had Rockefeller back in the 90s and 2000s, and, you know, there would be these, like, Rockefeller releases that had, or, you know, like, this sort of, like, all there were just so many models like that back in those days. Um, and, you know, obviously Puff Daddy, too, although he obviously sort of started out as a producer, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think of the 90s and 2000s there being this sort of moment where you would get these, like, just a lot of releases that were sort of like, oh, this, like, whole crew that's sort of centered around some label is like putting out a you know a sort of compilation album um i mean there still sometimes persists today i think you know i mean kanye was doing like the good thing a while back but um yeah so i don't know that's probably a rambling answer to that question <laughs> no not at all and it almost makes me think i mean i'm already jumping the gun and excited for the new Brockhampton album, but it's almost a, a sort of different. Yeah. That's model like, yeah, that. they're more, I think, I think of them more on like the sort of odd future model. Like yep. that's like, and that, which is like, again, like the Wu Tang model too. Like thinking about those two things as, yeah, as being somewhat different than the, um, yeah. than like the bad boy model. Cause yeah, I mean the Wu Tang model was like actually sort of the opposite was like break every, all the stars and then have them all go out to different labels. Um, you know, rather than there being like a sort of, like starting a you know the the first wu-tang album came out on loud but then you know like i think odb's album i think was on electra um method man was on was on def jam i think raekwon was on jive uh like it just was like they just spread out so much totally caitlin i gotta go ski mask always (laughs) please do I got too much skills, I flow like the water, so surprised I did not go kills. And I am your father like you was Luke Skywalker, and I concurred and let it burn like Usher's perm and kill confirm. You look concerned, respect is earned. Oh, you really be in it, be gotta be kidding me. Oh, you really be sick in it, I got the remedy. Oh, I'm feeling like Google, I need your energy. Oh, okay, going on a date with it. Okay, I am very, overall, very impressed with the track as well. But just the way that Ski Mask dances with that beat at the end. And then like Jack was saying, total posse track moment when you have all these guys, you know, come in and start singing with Ski Mask. So good. But what really impresses me about the rhythm of this verse is just how... Ski Mask will rarely give you the satisfaction of being stable and being able to consistently like find the pulse of the song. And I think it's more so than any other verse on this track, which is why I picked it. And I always do weird music analogies on this podcast. Sorry, Jack. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> but um, I almost had a moment when I listened to it the first time of like if you're laying in your bed and then you feel like you're falling for a second. And then you like collect yourself and you're like, okay, I'm fine. It's kind of a similar thing where you're like mm-hmm. listening, listening along and then you get lost for a second and you're like, okay, oh wait, okay, there's the, there's the one or there's, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, so I always, I am drawn to music like that. Don't know if the analogy makes sense, but we'll go with it anyway. I also really like how the mics pick up the huh. Like it captures almost every little facet of that, <laughs> like the groan or the whatever you want to call it. I'm also super impressed that they fit that many features on three minutes, and 38 seconds. Yeah. Like, it's short for a posse track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm at this point, mostly saying what other people have already said. I think it's a really cool track into the beat into Guap Dad's kind of throat shredding on the chorus. And the thing I want to just briefly highlight is the pacing or the arranging of those verses in this track. Cause I think it'd be pretty jarring if you were to start off with someone like JID, mm-hmm. very technical, very demanding. And so instead, you kind of ease the listener in with Reese and with Boss. 
And even if you compare those two verses next to each other, Reese is mostly using eighth and 16th notes while Bass is usually using triplets. Nice bit of contrast there. But then because of that, once intense verses like JIDs or Mezes, which is one of my faves, got a much greater punch because of that buildup. But then before things start getting too out there, you're back to the chorus. You're back to Guap Dad 4000. Really cool sequencing that really just balances a whole bunch of different rappers and styles way into it. And then we're going to pivot, Caitlin. Can I wait, 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 can oh, I yes. say one more thing? Yes, please. Yes, we'll By keep us means. in this happy zone. Absolutely. So this track made me think of like an almost like a wannabe posse track. Have you heard I'm the One, DJ Khaled with Justin Bieber, Chance the Rapper? Oh, yeah, yeah. From a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> that song was so long. It had, I think, three features. They all got their own verse. It was just over mm-hmm. stretched. And I think DJ Khaled can probably learn a little something from Dreamville. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's all I want to say. <laughs> I mean, then if you really want to go down that path, you can talk about No Brainer, which was the like also ran version of Ooh. that song. But we're going to go to something much better. <laughs> unless. <laughs> See, what Silver Linings. Nah, uh, yeah move on <laughs> i'm, I'm okay pass. with that okay. too man but we are going to pivot to one of the biggest pop stars in the country and as i've already teased her for one of caitlin's personal favorites post malone However, and the rest of the world please like <laughs> it's not just me friend most of the world will say <laughs> but fortunately for me goodbyes does also feature one of my personal favorites young thug and it's post malone's seventh top 10 hit to date even though it feels like post malone has kind of been around for a while his first top 10 hit, Congratulations, was only as recent as 2017, which is a pretty impressive rate of hits. And I also want to point out the longevity is there, too, because Sunflower is somehow still in the top 10. It's spending its 38th week on the Hot 100. Wow. As of this recording, it's not going away anytime soon, apparently. As for Goodbyes, debuts at number three this past week, and it serves as the second single from Post Malone's upcoming third album. I haven't seen any information about it beyond the fact that it's probably due sometime this year. It's probably a safe bet. But let's take a listen once again. Post Malone, goodbyes. Caitlin, let's start with you. What you thinking? There was no way that I was going to totally hate this song. And as probably the only Post Malone defender this podcast has ever had, I feel like it's kind of my sacred duty to stay on his side here. So we're going to talk about Young Thug. We're going to talk about Post Malone. But first, curious to hear Jack's thoughts on Post Malone in general. I'm not. I'm not a fan. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't. Uh, I don't hate him with the with the vitriol that some people I, I know do, and that, that I think a lot of uh, the hip hop fans of a certain bent and certain maybe certain age hate him. Um, but yeah, I've just never. Um, I I don't. I don't get it, and I don't. Yeah, like I don't know. I mean, and it, it is like I do think like many of the critiques of the sort of. Uh, kind of racial politics of what he's doing are, are spot on. Like, I think it's, there's a minstrelish aspect to it. And it's, it's worth asking, I don't know, this guy who's, yeah, it just seems like kind of, kind of a bit of a clown. 
it, it, it does bother me. That said, you know, I find his music um, mostly just very boring, like too boring to be mm-hmm. like really offensive. I mean, I do think I think he like I actually do think Post Malone has his moments as a sort of uh, as a person who is sort of on other people's tracks. Um, and like he's he's like as a sort of like he has a voice that can sometimes kind of work as a kind of ornamentation. But his own, yeah, like, you know, a singer of hooks, you know, in the maybe sort of like a poor man's Nate dog type <laughs> um, type thing. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, his own music is just like, I mean, it's 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 the same thing over and over. And it's it's a thing that I, I don't have use for. And that's kind of where I was going with my critique of the song, too, is that when I first heard it on the radio, actually, which I was surprised before I even made the playlist for this podcast. Same, actually. Yeah, weird. I just think he's reached this serious kind of plateau in the kind of music he makes. And in particular, I feel like goodbyes is just a combo of different elements from beer bongs and Bentleys. Mm -hmm. Um, In particular that acoustic tracks stay um, psycho and paranoid, which I, I just feel like this is the love child of those three songs. And I just think he's kind of really digging his heels into this sad boy rap kind of thing that, I I don't have a use for it either, but it's good background music. It's almost like, um, what is that Eric Satie furniture music? Mm. It's just like literally it's on it. Probably you walk down the street in Charlottesville and any kind of frat house is going to be playing Post Malone. Yeah. Why? Just like it just doesn't have beyond that much use in my mind. Um, and I don't really care if Post Malone ever gets out of that. Like he's just <laughs> going to keep doing what he's doing. On this track, too, in particular, hate, young, thugs, vocals. Mm-hmm. Tanner, you can push back later. But I, j- I don't know. It just reminds me of a parent or something. Like, he starts out, did you do the dishes? Like, your mom just freaking out at you or something. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, that hasn't happened to me in, like, 10 years. But I just feel that feeling when I hear young thugs' vocals. So nothing has changed, on my opinion, on young thug. That's it. <laughs> Before we get to the other half of that status quo, Professor Hamilton, any uh-huh. specific feelings on that song in particular? Uh, yeah, I think this song is horrible. Like, I think it's, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the worst post Malone song. I think like that's like to become a sing because partly for what Caitlin's saying, like it just feels like a it feels so formulaic. Um, it just feels like the same thing he's been doing over and over. Like he has no songwriting chops at all. Like it's like there's this sort of, I mean, the the core, there, there, there's more interesting chord changes in this, but like they're not actually that interesting. They're just interesting by his standards. There's like a minor four chord, which is like a Beatles chord, you know, like it's <laughs> like, like congrats, he's learned some new chords. Um, but it's not like, and I think what's jarring about Young Thug, I mean, first of all, this is like a lesser Young Thug performance. I think, you know, we can all agree. Um, I, I love Young Thug, but like, it's so jarring having a performer who's just, like just a musician who's just in a completely different stratosphere and I, as Post Malone. And it's like, you hear this sort of, you know, splash of originality and creativity and talent and just someone who who like has a sort of real sort of effortless understanding of how music should work. And then you have this guy who's just a, uh, it's like a, it's like a computer. Like, it's like, I mean, this, that's what the song sounds like. It was written by a computer that was sort of like, it's like a post Malone simulation. Um, And it's like, I don't know, like all the rest of his music kind of sounded like that too. And it's just like, (laughs) like, I just, I don't know, I'm ready for this to be over. And it's like, I just, uh, but I know that this song's gonna be a huge hit, you know? Cause I think it's like, I, I, there's music that I, I think exists for people who like don't want to be listening to music. 
and there's and sometimes that music does really well like i i don't want to say music for people who don't like music but like people for whom like like whether or not music is playing is kind of incidental or the music is sort of just like you know is background um and uh, as you said and i think that that's that is what post malone is doing and it's like i mean i think it's just a little too bad that he's profiting so much from it and like that he's he's getting so rich off it and and yeah i mean there is some a little thing that's that is worrisome or troublesome about the fact that he's this sort of, you know, white dude who's sort of gnawing at the sort of carcass of a musical tradition that he seems to have no real familiarity or kind of respect for um, that, and, and doing it that way. The Post Malone simulation. I think you just gave us our podcast title <laughs> for the week. That's fantastic. He's not real. He's just a hologram. <laughs> Seriously. And I'm kind of just basking in the... The indirect validation for... And I'm basking in the fact that I'm still the only Post Malone defender. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, there's got to be more considering how much he sells. <laughs> Our next guest. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't have a ton to say about this particular song. Like Professor Hamilton mentioned, there's, eh, you know, a couple more interesting chords. There's a two and a three in the, the chorus. That's kind of cool. The beat is, I think, kind of what makes this fall into that zone that both of you were talking about, where it's really good background music, really well produced. It's mm. the same production team that has shown up on Rockstar, on plenty of Post Malone tracks. If you go back and listen to the chorus, you can listen to how the bass slides between the notes instead of just discreetly hitting mm. them. Kind of cool touch. But I just don't find Post Malone a terribly interesting vocalist, even with the kind of ho-hum young thug feature you get. That's still, to me, a lot more memorable. The one thing that days after listening to the song kept coming back into my head was I want to slice you and dice you like for some reason <laughs> that line just will not get out of my head and so Caitlin super briefly because I know we're already sure. running long are you able to put into words what it is about post singing that kind of grabs you in some way I think at least for me there's some kind of comfort in it like it's it sounds familiar in a way I've been listening to Post Malone for many years and it just hasn't changed over time. You kind of know what you're getting yourself into when you turn on any Post Malone song. I also like this weird quirky thing he does with his voice where it sounds like a sheep bleeding, like mm. a uh, kind of thing. But other than that, I just, I have to say, like, it's just some comfort thing. Like, if I can't think of anything to listen to and you're going on a road trip with your friends, like, mm. this might be a safe option. And I know that that's not super high praise for, <laughs> for Posty, but there it is. Yeah, no, that's fair. And unless anyone has anything else to say, huh? I think I'm going to throw it over to you. What's happening in the UK? Joel Corey is happening in the UK, Tanner. All right, tell me. So he's a newbie on the podcast, so he needs a little bit of an introduction. He started DJing at the age of 13, which is pretty young to have just kind of like any DJ stuff. I wouldn't have known how to do any of that when I was 13. Um, and then he started touring when he was 18. He's also a fitness model. I'm going to put scare quotes around <laughs> that. And... Um, Perhaps unsurprisingly, neither of those career paths made him famous. What did make him famous? MTV UK. Mm. The show Geordie Shore. I don't know if we're familiar with this. Jack Tanner, no? Uh. Okay. So uh, it's basically the equivalent of Jersey Shore. And I'm sure you've heard of that show. Kind of trashy. Sure. Um, he was in a relationship, and I obviously love the celebrity gossip, um, with Sophie Kasai. So that was kind of like Jersey Shore's Snooki. I'm sure you heard of Snooki. Um, so that is what made him famous. The show has a 19 series, or the show has 19 series. And most of them are set in Newcastle, England. You can check them out online. It's a very fun show. But some of them take place 
outside of England, like Australia, Greece, and Spain. Coincidentally, those are some of the countries in which Joel Corey is enjoying some moderate popularity right now. Uh, he was never an official member of the show, like a cast member, but he did make enough appearance with Kasai to kind of garner a little bit of fame. And um, also, probably unsurprisingly, the two have split since then. Okay, so Corey has 58 total gigs lined up across the UK and Europe. So all of our UK Europe listeners this summer, you could probably catch him somewhere. It seems like a lot. I'm kind of impressed by that number of shows within three months. Is that do you guys know anything about like how DJs work or stuff like that? No. I wouldn't not, I don't really know about like standard touring schedules or anything okay. like that. Yeah. Cause I, I looked on his website and it was just like blocks mm. of dates at different clubs. Like it was, it, it kind of surprised me. I was a little bit shocked. So good for you, man. I'm sure the fitness modeling kind of helps you with <laughs> <laughs> all those shows. Um, he has a really good amount of techno house mixes on SoundCloud. I might drop a link to that in the, um, the description this week. But that's not why we're here this week. We are here to talk about his song, Sorry, which appeared, again, just as a reminder, in the lower rungs of the UK official charts at number 99. Let's take a listen. Okay, Jack, any initial reactions to this one? Um, yeah, this is like, it's it's fine. Um, it, it's sort of like, it feels kind of like a sort of paint by numbers uh, sort of EDM track, That's you so know? Um, yeah. It's like, I mean, it's sort of, yeah, it accomplishes what it has to accomplish, but like it doesn't, I don't think it really does anything new. You know, you've got your sort of, stand, like the kind of keyboard synth sounds are like pretty pretty predictable. The drums are pretty predictable. All the drops and sort of dynamic shifts are pretty predictable yeah you know it, it's it's but it's okay you know like i think for like for the for what this is made for it's like perfectly adequate um i would be really i'd be very surprised if this ended up like crossing over to the states um mm -hmm. like this definitely feels like i mean just the fact that i mean it's only at 99 i guess in the uk um and there's just like a much in europe there's just like there's a, a much longer uh, standing market for this type of music like this is like you know obviously in in, in recent years in the 21st century um edm music is like really or edm sort of adjacent musics have become like pretty prominent on, on the u.s prop charts but there's like a much longer tradition of that in, in overseas um and i yeah there's nothing about this track that's like remarkable enough that i would imagine particularly when you think about what you were talking about that this guy has this sort of like you know, pop cultural following through this mm -hmm. being on this reality show, which no one in the United States knows anything about. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't really expect to hear this uh, 
ever again. It's <laughs> <laughs> so sad. Poor Joel Corey. Well, I mean, I'm sure it'll do well in, in you know, I, I, I could see it doing well in the UK, but I could see it doing very well in like Central Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So I think um, I'm struck by a couple things that I wanted to touch on. Um, firstly, like Jack said, I really, I there's nothing super special. I love the paint by numbers analogy. Um, it's very easy to listen to. Again, it's the instrumental so clean. I was kind of struck by that of like, wow, I, there's just nothing about it that's super offensive to my ears. Mm-hmm. And I think also similarly super predictable, just the mature sounding female vocals on these tracks, I think has is a trope or has been a trope. Um, and then that clapping percussion on two and four, it's just like kind of, that's one thing that did great on me, like Sam Smith using like big choir vocals. Like that's mm. another thing that grates on me. One of the major draws of any track, any pop track for me is always keyboard. So I want to point out a kind of a cool thing that my ears heard this week. And I want to show how the keyboard shifted back and forth between muffled and then brighter sounds. So in the verses, the keys have this nice kind of underwatery synthesized, almost like you're in a basement club, like in Europe. The chords are also sustained. Let us take a listen. Then you have this transformation from the muffled underwatery keys to the super bright, almost like you would think of a rooftop bar like sun setting. So I think it's kind of cool how it transported me from one kind of club setting to another. And then the chords are also broken here. So they kind of punctuate the mix a little bit more in the pre-drop pre-chorus. So let's listen to that too. So that is kind of what struck me about the track overall. Did play it on the piano a couple times. It was very easy, very fun. <laughs> um, Tanner, I'm going to toss it over to you. The song makes me slightly cranky because I hate it when DJs don't credit their singers. Mm. Extremely cranky. Can I perhaps ease your crank? <laughs> that sounds so weird. Slightly. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think it's Haley May. She's like a Canadian UK DJ mm. or uh, singer, singer songwriter. And they've worked together on a bunch of tracks that I also put on the playlist this week. It sounds like her voice. Mm. It just wouldn't make sense why he would take her off the credits for this one. Unless it was like an apology song to Sophie Kasai reality show, uh. right? Doesn't want another girl on it or name. Just putting that out there. <laughs> I eagerly await your fan fiction, which this is a plot point. <laughs> but yeah, I am actually way into the song. Like you two were saying, it's a pretty typical house track. Mm. I'm always going to be a sucker for house piano. I'm always going to be tickled by a reference to sitting up in my room like Brandy. Great song. <laughs> great reference. Totally with Caitlin on the keyboard transitions. I would also add another really even smaller detail to the list. If you go to the pre-chorus, there's this build, like plenty of dance tracks where you get the rising kind of buzzing sound and mm-hmm. the uh, the snare that rapidly, like it starts in, in eighth notes and then 16th and 32nd mm-hmm. notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does that build and then there's the drop. But unlike a lot of the trance or electro hits that we had earlier in the decade, on that build, the snare does not play constant eighth notes. Spices things up a little bit, makes the rhythm a little less boxy. It's good. But uh, when we were listening to the main clip over the break, I was asking Caitlin, I was like, this reminds me of some DJ we had talked about before. Who was it? And I remembered Fisher. 
Fisher, I'm going to see him in October. <laughs> so this is, uh, Fisher was a DJ we talked about who I guess had a career as a surfer. Yeah. And uh-huh. so now we have fitness model as our unlikely pre-DJ <laughs> yeah, yeah, career. Yeah. Wow. So can't wait to find out what the next one is. <laughs> and with that, we're going to transition to our last song of the podcast this week. We're going to talk about So High, Mist featuring Fredo. I'm sure you all won't mind us skipping over Fredo's bio since we've talked about him a lot, not in great contexts on this podcast. He's been kind of riding the coattail of more talented rappers. I don't know if you've heard of him before, Jack. Yeah. Um, he had that great collab with Dave, um, Funky Friday. Mm. For, yeah. And it that did really well. Mostly um, because of Dave. Mostly because of Dave, <laughs> we we thought we think. Um, so that leaves us with Mist, twenty-seven-year-old Birmingham-based rapper. Um, he was into music from a very young age and released a lot of mixtapes, a lot of freestyles before kind of making it big in twenty sixteen. Before then, he received a fourteen-month prison sentence in twenty fourteen for driving without a license, and apparently, it kind of all exploded and turned into a full-on high-speed chase down the M six. <laughs> Super wild! Um, so that obviously put a halt to his music making. I think there are some clips on YouTube. You guys can go check out him just speeding down the road. Wow! Um, yeah, kind of cool. So. This is Miss's highest appearance on the UK official charts to date, and it's only his fifth overall appearance. And I think there's a good amount to unpack with this one, so I just want to kind of play a clip and jump right in. Fred again. Ain't moving my feet nah, ain't ah, Cause I'm dancing with heat Bad B's got my tunes on repeat what? Dude with ease ah. Out here tripling P's yeah, I am. Back to my grinding again yeah, I'm back. Writing, rhyming again ah. Firing skengs Yeah it's Fred yet again Man I put a line in your end Fred again Aggie So much gold it's Chavi Them man are chatty like Gally Big 4-4 called Maggie What's my cologne? Creed and Cali Okay, so I am in love with the beginning that you heard. It's just an extended intro, and then it drops into this percussive instrumental, which I know Tanner is a huge fan of. Plus, you guys know how much of a sucker I am for acoustic piano licks. So I was really hopeful about this track, but I'm really not impressed with Mist or Fredo. My love of this song hinges solely on the Tony Braxton vocal sample, which is kind of terrible to say, but I think that's what carried it to almost the top 10. I don't think either of these rappers deserve credit on Mm. that one in a way, which is kind of like a shots fired comment, but that's what we're known for on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to give you guys a little clip of the original before we toss it over to Tanner and Jack. So um, Tony Braxton's You're Making Me High peaked at number seven on the UK official charts in 1996. 
and we'll just play uh, the hook. So the part that's used in Fredo and Mist's song. All right, Tanner, this is not the first time we've mentioned Braxton on this podcast, is it? It sure isn't. Longtime listeners might remember, I think this was maybe early to mid-2018. I forget when, but we were talking about the Derez Deshaun track, Heart Away, and then later Tony Braxton did a version called Heart Away. It Mm -hmm. also had Birdman on it Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And I think when we talked about that excellent song, I used it as a occasion for this reminder that I'm going to give you again. Listen to Tony Braxton's latest album, Sex mm. and Cigarettes. It's real good. Mm-hmm. Deadwood is still one of my favorite tracks of that year. Anyway, I don't know if I really have that much to add about the song. It's a waste <laughs> of a good beat. There's so much drama. There's flair. And the rappers just sound kind of listless, kind of lax- lackadaisical. Mm. There's all this empty space in their lines. They leave mm. a whole lot in there, which on one hand is great because it lets you focus on the beat, which is so good. But it also kind of highlights how peripheral Mist yeah. and Fredo both feel on their own track. For sure. I guess I I, I, I think I like it more than both of you guys. I, I think that I kind of like the rapping or like, I mean, I like Mist's stuff better than Fredo's. But like, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I listen to a fair amount of sort of like British grime. And like, this is like a very much a... Uh, <laughs> Like I feel like 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 the the style that particularly Mist is rapping in is like a real sort of like a, like the very clipped kind of like you know it's not about fillings there is a lot of empty space it's these sort of punchy kind of like yeah like it almost almost sometimes doesn't sound like rapping like I'm thinking about artists like Skepta who's like you know who I love and mm-hmm. uh, Stormzy and like yeah. like there's a whole th- yeah, and so I, I hear him more. I think he's a better he he does it better than Fredo does. But I I wasn't super bothered by either of the um of the performances. I I thought this song was was pretty good. Like um I don't know if I would necessarily like rush out to listen to it more, but um it was I, I appreciated how how short it was. Um like it was <laughs> yeah. very it sort of gets gets in and gets out. It doesn't sort of like dilly dally around. Uh, there's not a lot of filler. Yeah, no, I thought it was like a pretty effective piece of kind of like pop grime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like I, I could see it being a pretty probably a, a big hit in the UK. It's interesting that none of those artists have like really successfully uh, crossed over to the States. I mean, I remember Drake's um, on, on More Life, like he was doing a lot with, um, like I think Skepta's on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a few other other UK Gigs dudes might are, have been on Yeah, Gigs is yeah. on it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like obviously that like being an example of Drake kind of trying to sort of say to his audience like check these guys out and it's weird like if you go over to you know to the uk like those guys are huge stars mm-hmm. over there um but yeah i mean who knows like it might just never happen i mean i remember like i'm old enough to remember when like dizzy rascal was supposed dizzy. to be like the next huge thing and it was like the biggest you know, in the states obviously he, he was huge in the uk um but like yeah and then it just didn't happen um mm-hmm. you know there was so there was a real push to sort of break dizzy rascal in the states and you know he, he obviously had had fans among a sort of there he was a sort of cult object but um yeah never never broke through and became like a sort of a-list or even even sort of b-list american hip-hop star i would say which is a shame i would love to hear dizzy on this track 
<laughs> I would love to hear him on this. Wow. <laughs> and I feel like that's such an ongoing story of this podcast, whether mm-hmm. it's Rita Ora or Paloma Faith mm. or any of the other people we've talked about who like seems so poised. Rita Ora is the one who just keeps coming to mind. Seems so poised for a breakthrough in the States and it just does not happen. Never. Yeah. I wonder why. I guess we'll leave it at that. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening to Chart Chat this week. If you would like to listen to all of the past week's chart debuts, you can find a Spotify playlist in the show notes. And if you have questions, feedback, or corrections, you can get in touch with us via email at chartchatcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Coronation Media for our cover art and intro theme. Thanks to Teej.fm for having us on the network. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Also, you can follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ChartChatCast. Tell your friends you can download ChartChat anywhere you stream your favorite podcasts. Thanks again for listening to ChartChat. I'm Caitlin Flay. I'm Jack Hamilton. And I'm Tanner Green. And we will catch you next week.